You're listening to The Encounter Podcast, featuring the latest messages and teachings by David Diga Hernandez. Don't forget to subscribe. The Encounter Podcast, encounter the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Every true believer desires to walk in the perfect will of God. And you, as a surrendered disciple of Christ, have a desire to please the Lord. You want to make sure you're in the right place at the right time, connected with the right people. You want to make sure that you're going at the pace that Jesus wants you to go. That's a great desire. But how are we to know when we are in the perfect will of God? I want to show you biblical signs that indicate that you are walking in the perfect will of God. Number one, inner peace. There is this inner peace that begins to come over you as you walk in the perfect will of God. Now, this does not mean that there is no chaos. This does not mean that everything will go perfectly well. This does not mean that everything is going to align just as you want it to align, because sometimes that's the false impression that we have, that if we're walking in the will of God, everything's gonna go great. Everything's gonna be perfect. I mean, just look at the life of Paul the apostle. He was shipwrecked. He was persecuted. He was beaten. He was rejected. He was mocked. You name it, it came against him. Yet in all those things, he considered himself victorious. Why? Because the Lord loved him. The Lord loves us. And so in that love, we know we are victorious. So when I talk about peace, I'm not saying that everything is going to go according to plan. I'm not even saying that everything is going to run smoothly. In fact, as you do ministry, as you follow after the call of God, as you continue on this walk of faith, you'll notice that certain things do go awry, that there are certain uh, disorders that arise, uh, uh, arise in your life. And of course, there is no guarantee that we will have everything perfectly aligned the way that we want it. But even in the midst of all that chaos, even in the midst of all that trouble, even in the midst of outer circumstances, we should have inner peace. And that really is the peace that I'm talking about. Now, prayer is the involvement of God. We involve God as we pray, because as we pray, we align ourselves with his will. As we pray, we align ourselves with his word. As we pray, we become more aware of and attentive to the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So here's what happens when you pray. Look at Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Let me read that again. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you what? Live in Christ Jesus. So as you walk with the Lord, as you live in him, as you commit yourself to praying regularly, as you are guided by his presence through prayer, there's this peace that begins to fill you. This doesn't happen when we neglect prayer. This doesn't happen when we don't acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit. When we go about our lives at our own pace, by our own will, according to our own desires and plans, well, there's no room left now for what God wants to do because we're so determined about what we want to do. that We're so fixed on our own goals that we forget about God's will. And so as we pray, we become surrendered. As we pray, we become sensitive to the Spirit. As we pray, we invite the guidance of God in our lives. And so prayer is reliance on God. A day without prayer is a day where you are relying solely upon yourself. A a week without prayer 
is a day is a week where you're relying solely upon yourself. So when we pray, we involve him. When we neglect prayer, we're saying, Lord, I don't need you. And that's something we all need to consider, especially if we want to know that we're walking in the perfect will of God. But when you do pray, you live in Christ. You walk according to his pace. And when you live in that prayerful lifestyle now, you're aligned with the will of God and you are filled with inner peace. And again, inner peace. I, I use that word uh, very specifically because there will be chaos. There will be things that come against you, but it is inner peace that we are looking for. Number two, let me go back actually to number one, because, because even negative emotions may arise when you're in the perfect will of God. We have to get this thought out of our mind that everything will align perfectly in our circumstances and that we will never feel anything negative. Well, Jesus walked in the perfect will of God, yet Jesus wept. Jesus walked in the perfect will of God, yet Jesus at times was grieved. Jesus walked in the perfect will of God, yet he was anguished in the garden while he was fulfilling the will of God. Do you think he felt good when he was embracing the cross? So again, we have to be rid of this idea that circumstances will be good, that everything in our minds will be set straight, that our emotions will be perfectly balanced. No, that's not going to be the case. But I'm saying that even on a deeper level, deeper than our circumstances, deeper than our minds, deeper than our emotions, deep within, there will be peace in the spirit. And that inner peace is an indicator that you're in the perfect will of God. Number two, unhindered fellowship with God. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25 say this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Notice here that we can enter the presence of the Lord with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. Why? For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood. So a result of having your conscience clean is that you have trust in God. Your heart is filled with that trust in God so that there's confidence when you approach him. You see, it's not that sin causes God to ignore you. And I'm speaking specifically about the born-again believer now. It's not that sin causes God to ignore you. It's that sin robs you of the confidence to where you don't even want to talk to God. Sin robs you of the confidence in prayer. Sin robs you of the confidence in devoting to the word. Sin robs you of your confidence when you go to boldly worship. Why? Because when you go to pray, when you go to worship, when you go to read the word... If your conscience is filthy, all that's going to be on your mind is the guilt and the shame. All that's going to be on your mind is the disobedience. If God said, go left and you go right, that's going to be on your mind when you pray. If God says, disconnect with them and connect with these people over here and you don't obey that when you pray, that's what's going to be on your mind. In fact, as you go to try and fellowship with the Lord, what blocks the way in your mind is that nagging thought of you disobeying him recognizing that there's something in my life, in my mind, in my heart that I haven't corrected yet. And this, by the way, is why some believers don't even pray that often. Because when they finally do go to pray, they're confronted with their disobedience. They're confronted with that thing that they don't want to address. And it's very difficult to pray. Listen, it's very difficult to pray and to worship and to read the word and to fellowship with the Holy Spirit when all that you're thinking about is your area of disobedience. This is why 
I say that number two, a sign that you are in the perfect will of God is that that fellowship is unhindered. You go to him boldly. There's a connection that you're confident in. You know he hears you. You know he sees you. No doubt in your mind. And you're fellowshipping and you're loving him and you're worshiping him. So again, it's not that an unclean, it's not that an unclean conscience keeps you out. It's that an unclean conscience breaks your confidence in your approach to God. Number three, a patient pace. That means you're not rushing ahead, but you're also not stalling. See, some believers walk behind the Lord. And they're not walking with him. Some believers walk ahead of the Lord. They're not walking with him. When you're walking behind him, you struggle with things like laziness or disobedience or stubbornness. When you're walking ahead of him, you struggle with things like self-reliance, pride, um, even, even uh, this, this unhealthy this healthy, unhealthy presumption where you think you know better and you think you have it all figured out. Both of those paces are not good. You need to walk with the Lord, not ahead of him, not behind him. So when you're walking in the perfect will of God, it produces this patient pace. John 5, 19 and 20. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees his father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished. So here, the scripture is describing this pace that Jesus has with the father to where he doesn't even do anything unless he sees his father doing it. So like a reflection in the mirror, Jesus perfectly reflected the movements of the father God. And because of this, he walked at a patient pace. You see that in some instances, Jesus wept, or in one instance, Jesus wept. In another instance, Jesus ate. You see in another instance still that Jesus taught or Jesus healed, but you never see that Jesus hurried or Jesus rushed. That is because Jesus walked in this purposeful pace. He walked in the will of God. He was never behind schedule. He was never ahead of schedule. Even if it appeared to others that he was, he was right on time. And so as you begin to walk in the perfect will of God, you'll notice your pace change, going at the pace of grace. You're not lagging behind to where you feel that conviction of your disobedience, nor are you rushing ahead to where now you're in prideful presumption, but you're walking right beside him, right next to him. And you're going at his pace. You're walking hand in hand. And there's this peaceful, patient pace in which you walk. Number four, favor. Psalm 1, 1 through 3, all the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. In other words, they live according to the word. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. This is speaking of fruitfulness. Luke 2.52 says, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all people or in favor with God and man. So Jesus grows in favor and we do too when we walk like Jesus. Jesus grew in favor and we do too when we model his lifestyle, when we walk in that perfect will of God. And favor is fruitfulness. Favor is open doors. Favor is divine connection. And again, this isn't to say, and I need to make this clear. I know I keep repeating myself, but repetition, 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 it helps. I want you to get this in your spirit. 
This does not mean that everything will be perfect. We got to get rid of that idea. And so many believers are superstitious in that way where things go wrong. They go, this must not be the, the will of God, or I don't feel peace about this. And they're not talking about inner peace. They're talking about a disruption in their emotions. And so favor though is also present when we walk in the perfect will of God. Now I'm not saying everything is perfect, but I am saying that God will give you what you need. God will open the doors that need to be open. God will bring fruitfulness where there needs to be fruitfulness. God will bring connections where there needs to be connections. There'll be something about you that people are drawn to. There'll be something about you that people, people know they ought to help you. So even though you might even be going through a season of trials, one thing after another, things seem to be happening and nothing seems to be going right. Even in the midst of all of that, you will notice these key moments where it had to be God. Even in the midst of that chaos, you will notice these key moments where it had to be God. That's favor. Number five, here's a challenging one. You need faith. Hebrews 11, one through three. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Go down to verse six. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So here we see, this is called, you know, the hall of faith chapter where the writer of Hebrews begins to describe these various patriarchs and members of the faith that lived lives filled with faith. They obeyed God. They trusted God. They stepped out at his word. They put their, their trust in him. And so you and I, in this same way, put our faith and trust in God when we are in seasons of walking in the perfect will of God. Now, when we walk in the perfect will of God, we will see that the situations demand that we have faith. I'll put it to you this way. If you are in the will of God, faith will be required of you. And if where you are doesn't require faith, you're not in the will of God. If where you are going does not require faith, you are not going toward the will of God. In every season, it will require that you trust the Lord. There will be something in your life that requires of you to put your faith in him. There will be something in your life that requires of you to say, Lord, I don't understand it. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I trust you. I believe you. And I'm going to step out on your word. That is walking in the perfect will of God because it's impossible to please God without faith. So that means that every season will require faith from us. If where you are doesn't require any faith, if you've got it all figured out, if everything can be done in your own strength, if there's, if there's no need for divine intervention, that's not the will of God. Because the life of the believer is one of adventure. It's one of uncertainty, at least on our part. All we can be certain of is that God's taking care of it. The rest we may not know. I think of the children of, the, uh, the children of Israel when they're coming up against the sea with the troops of the Egyptians, uh, Egyptian armies coming to attack them. And the Egyptians thought they had them. They thought they had outsmarted them. They're looking and they're going, man, we, we should have stayed in Egypt. They began to regret that they had even been set free. And then the Lord comes through in a way that they could not foresee. 
He saw a path where others only saw the sea, a path that only God knew was there. And so there will be demands on your life that require faith. God will speak vision to you. Hear me now. God will speak visions to you, dreams to you, God-given dreams. And you'll look at those dreams and those visions and you'll say, there's no way it can be accomplished without the help of God. That's how you know you're in the will of God. That is one of the indicators. Again, if where you are doesn't require faith, you're not in the will of God. If where you are does require faith, it should be very encouraging to you. Number six, alignment with God's word. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. So this is alignment with the word. When you walk in the perfect will of God, you are aligned with his word. This is moral alignment, attitude alignment, thought alignment, lifestyle alignment. Everything about you begins to align with the word. If there's something in your life that contradicts the word of God, you're not in the perfect will of God. Number seven, spiritual growth. If you're in his will, you're in the spirit. If you're in the spirit, you'll grow spiritually. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. If you are becoming more like Jesus, you're in God's will. Here, I think this is one of the key indicators right here. And some of us need to find balance because there are two extremes to approaching this. Some of us are so apathetic about the perfect will of God that we just say things like, oh, he'll take care of it. I don't need to do much. And, and we end up with, with no movement in our spiritual lives. And others are so legalistic about it that they're constantly beating themselves up because they're not walking in the sinless perfection that Christ walked in. And we should aspire to sinless perfection. We should aspire to holiness. We should desire to grow and be rid of compromise in our lives. Absolutely. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. But to live in condemnation because we are being sanctified is not biblical. So this is a great balance. This is a great indicator right here. If you are becoming more like Jesus, you're in God's will. If you're becoming less like Jesus, you're outside of God's will. I'll say that one more time. If you are becoming more like Jesus, you're in God's will. If you're becoming less like Jesus, you're outside of God's will. Number eight, trials don't break you, they build you. Now we all face difficult times. I think I've emphasized that enough here in this message. But when you're in God's will, difficult times don't break you, they build you. They perfect your faith. James 1, 2 and 4, 2 through 4, excuse me. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. That's James 1, 2 through 4. So if you're walking with the Lord, then the trials that come are a reason to celebrate. I know they may not always seem that way. I know, I know we don't like to think in those terms, but the, the fact of the matter is that when trials come, it's an opportunity for great joy. You can test your faith now. Your faith can, and, and, and it's tested in that it's being purified. It's being strengthened. And now you're getting to see that real growth. Our real growth is done in trials. Our real growth is done in trials. And so when you face trials and you're walking with the Lord, 
Those trials don't break you, they build you. You know you're outside of the will of God if when trials come, you're broken, you're giving up, you're saying, Lord, you don't love me. Lord, why do you never listen to me? God, why don't you ever hear my prayers? You're feeling sorry for yourself. You, you, you tell yourself lies like your life has been nothing but trials. Well, that's no way to approach it. But you know you're in the will of God. You know you're walking with him when trials don't break you, they build you. Number nine, and this one will challenge you as well, you have to deny yourself. If you have to deny yourself, you know you're in the will of God. Evaluate your life. Has it been a while since you've had to pick up your cross? Has it been a while since you've had to say no to something you want to say yes to something God wants? Has it been a while since you've had to put something on the altar? Has it been a while since you've been challenged in your surrender? Has it been a while since you said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done? Has it been a while since you've had to confront the flesh and say, no, you can't have that. Instead, we have to do this. Then that would cause me to question. If not, that would cause me to question whether or not I was in God's will. Because to walk with Jesus is to carry your cross. Therefore, if it's been a while since you've had to carry your cross or sacrifice in some way, this isn't a how shall I say, a conclusive key to figuring this out. This isn't a conclusive sign, but it is an indicator because I can't measure how often one has to carry their cross. I mean, the Lord may have you sacrifice in one season and then in the next season, he may just call you to a season of rest and there may be abundance and blessing and, and nothing but peace. That happens sometimes. But ask yourself, has it been a while since I was confronted with the selfishness in me? Has it been a while since I hit that, that turning point or since I hit that fork in the road where I had to decide my way or God's way? And if it's been a while and you have to pray about this and talk with the Holy Spirit about this, but it's been, if it's been a while, if it's been too long and only the Holy Spirit can reveal that to you, then you have to begin to question where you are. Matthew 16, 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. You must forsake the sinful, the secular, the selfish, and embrace that cross. Now, again, you could be in a season of rest, that's possible, but you have to evaluate yourself. You have to ask, when is the last time I picked up my cross? Or is my life so comfortable? Is my life so ideal that I've not had to give up or sacrifice anything? My selfishness has not been confronted for a while then I would begin to do some serious evaluation as to whether or not you're walking in the will of God. Finally, number 10, others are being helped. Matthew chapter five, verses 13 through 16 say this, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Here we see that if you are a light, you are in the will of God, you are walking as you should, you're going to begin to light the way for others. You're going to begin to help others. Are others being drawn closer to Jesus through your life? Are others being helped? Are you serving? Are you encouraging? Are you being selfless? Are you bearing one another's burdens? If no one is being helped, 
around you, you need to do some serious evaluation. Now, you have to remember that sometimes we cannot see the good that our lives are doing, especially if we're very hard on ourselves. Like if you're one of those people who is very hard on themselves, it's gonna be a challenge for you to see where you help others. So try not to see through the lens of that insecurity. Do your best to do that and really be objective and say, am I at least serving? Am I at least attempting to help others? Am I at least taking the opportunities to attempt to help others? Well, then that's a good indicator that you're walking with the Lord. If no one is being helped, if no one is being affected, well, you gotta ask the Lord maybe to help guide you back onto the right path. So let's just recap these very quickly. Inner peace, unhindered fellowship with God, a patient pace, favor, you need faith, alignment with God's will, spiritual growth, trials don't break you, they build you, you have to deny yourself, and number 10, others are being helped. Uh, some bonus ones that I wrote down that I won't necessarily have time to get into. Uh, sensitivity to the Holy Spirit is increased. Divine provision abounds. Doors are open and you're filled with joy. So those are the bonus points that, I, again, I didn't quite have the time to fit into the uh, primary sections of this message. But let's pray now and ask the Lord to correct these areas in our lives if they're not in alignment. And let's ask him to guide us to his perfect will that we might become reflections of his glory. Father, we thank you. We praise you and we honor you. And I lift these to you now who are calling out, asking for guidance. I pray, Lord, that you would help them to walk on that path. Help them, Father, to step in alignment with your steps. Help us surrender. Give us grace. We yield ourselves to you, precious Holy Spirit. Guide us. Speak to us. Help us to be sensitive to your voice. We honor, we bless you, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. I want you to say it because you believe it. Say, Amen. Thank you for listening to the Encounter Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. Support the podcast by becoming a monthly supporter or making a one-time donation now. To give, just go to davidhernandezministries.com slash donate. Until next time, remember, Nothing is impossible with God.